morning, everyone. Yep, I'm on. That's all right. How are you all doing? Yeah? Okay, it's been a weird one, right? Okay, we're going to pray before we kick off here. Some churches, they always pray before the, um, before the vicar speaks. Um, I just feel like today we're going to need it. So, <laughs> Father, thank you so much uh, that you speak to us. It's you we want to hear from. I know it's my words and, and I'm speaking, I, I get that, but God, we want you to speak to our hearts. We want to be convicted of stuff, persuaded of stuff. We want our hearts to be warmed by your presence. Ultimately, God, let what I say fall away and it, it, we want to hear from you. Holy Spirit, continue to move in this place. We are pinning back the ears of our heart. Okay, so 2020, a challenging year. I think that would be fair to say. We all know there's been so much written about the pandemic. I love the way people say a global pandemic. There is no other type of pandemic. If it's not global, it's an epidemic. If it's local, it's an outbreak. There we go. Just set the record straight on a few things there. But we'll go for the tautology of a global pandemic just to help people. So across the world, we've seen this. Hospitals inundated. I mean, who even knew what furloughing, lockdown, social distancing? And these things have become like a temporary norm. Economies are shaking and families are feeling the impact of the virus all across the world. Mental health is perhaps at its lowest ebb for many people, perhaps ever. Insecurity, anxiety are reportedly on the rise. People are unsure. We see this. We see that people's world has been rocked. The things that they hold on to suddenly don't seem as stable anymore. You know that handrail that you grab as you walk up a set of steps and then you feel it shake and you, there's a nervousness. So just a few things. As, as Asher Vineyard, we have really done our very best as a church, as a family, to respond and remain agile. From week one of lockdown, actually, lockdown one that was, we started streaming AV Sundays. It was, um, it was an interesting beginning we literally had a tripod stood about there and then a phone in a tripod. Uh, it was very, very interesting. You couldn't buy the tech that we needed for love nor money because it had all just been sold in moments. We jumped right in and set up a food bank, recruiting and deploying an army of volunteers. The number of actual meals that have been provided is well into the thousands. Daily check-ins ran for lockdowns one and lockdown two, just to provide connection for people and encouragement and hope. And we moved as many groups as possible onto online platforms for people still to connect as best they can. AV Kids also went online and the sheer quality and quantity of content that Chrissy and her team put out each week has been and still is amazing particularly Chris's ability and passion to raise and release young leaders. 
There was a fund set up at the beginning of the crisis, enabling people to contribute money to help pay for meals and urgent supplies for people. That, in total, came to about 7,000. And at Asher Vineyard, we've also been able to secure significant further monies in the forms of grants to be able to set up our Renew Project C Corner to stream, to employ a youth leader, comms administrator, compassion support worker, and even to create a studio upstairs for filming and recording of podcasts and things. The Beehive has somehow continued its incredible work even while the Beehive has been closed. The team of volunteers has been incredible there. The stories that are coming out from the Beehive are wonderful. Ask Charlotte or Becca about them next time. It's beautiful. I want to give just a quick nod as well. This is sounding like an end-of-year speech, but we're getting there. The two other pastors here, Chris Tatton and Cat Brown, have been incredible. So resilient while continuing just to hunger after God. The key leaders, the wider leaders, have stepped up to the plate and shown a commitment and an agility that at times, honestly, has been breathtaking. Our trustees, too, have helped in providing a strong support amidst a plethora of ever-changing legal issues. And finally, Rachel, our site manager, has been (laughs) amazing. She has spent hours with her head in government guidelines and legalities. In fact, recently, as the key leaders, we made a list of everything that Asher Vineyard does and what of that that we have been doing is now changed. We reckon about 80% of what we do has now changed in some way. Some of that has changed for good. If I may, I'm going to use the word unprecedented. (laughs) Our regular giving into the life of Asher Vineyard has dropped a little, but not much. And we are incredibly grateful to those people who are still able to prioritise their finances in this way. Without this regular giving that comes in month after month, we'd be barely able to do even 5% of what we do. We have 15 paid staff here, not full-time, but bits and pieces here and there. And an absolute army of volunteers who give time totally generously. So thank you to those people's giving. Thank you for what we have seen happen in 2020 I don't think any of us really could have seen that coming. So what actually is going on in the world? So across the year, we've listened to a number of prophetic voices. So prophets are people who anyone can hear from God. But prophets have a particular gift to be able to hear from God and then effectively almost be like a mouthpiece and speak those things that are heard in heaven. As I say, it's something we can all do. If you're not sure of the difference, just think of it like this. We can all dance. If you've seen me dance, you'll understand that some people have a gift. I can't say any more than that. So these prophetic voices, Sean Boltz, Nicola Neal, Mark Sayers, Chris Vallotton, and some of our own too, There is a destabilizing of the world's structures and systems going on. We used to see positional power being supreme, but we're increasingly seeing 
influential, charismatic power coming to the fore. It's moving away from the power of an office. Well, that person is in charge. And instead, the power is moving away and it's going to influencers. It's going to characters that are holding increased power. Let's face it, whatever you think of Donald Trump, we have never seen a presidency like that where there is authority from the office, but increasingly there's authority from sheer charisma. Whatever you think of that power and charisma. Just look at the rise of influencers in our nation. Ten years ago, we had no idea what an influencer even was. And now people are making a living out of it. Black Lives Matter. A movement that really started by people influence. Clap for carers. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people standing on doorsteps clapping because one person mentioned it. It goes onto social media and the influence is out there. So Mark Sayers, he's a pastor in the States, he says this. He believes there is a humbling that is happening to the West. Where's the power going? To the East. There is a shaking Definitely going on. Now in the midst of this, of course we've been praying for God to break out. For renewal to happen, for revival to come, for reformation to come. A whole bunch of words. Basically what we're saying is, God, we want you to, the God who is everywhere, to turn up somewhere. We want to see the things that are on God's heart begin to happen. We want that sense of renewal, things being made new. More than that, we want things to be utterly revived. We don't just want renewal to come to church. I mean, heaven knows church needs it, right? But that's not what God wants. Even more than that, it's not just a revival where things get revived. We want reformation where things are reformed. I don't know if you've noticed But culture and society is fairly broken. And much of it is really not how most people would want it. If you said, how would you want society to be? Then most people's answer, it probably wouldn't match up. And that's to say nothing of heaven's desire. We want God's rule and reign. That's what we long for. His kingdom to come. So, in the middle of all this, COVID... And I will say yet again, categorically, with not even an ounce of doubt, it is not from God. Absolutely not from him. But God is always able to use whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. Any circumstance we find ourselves in. In fact, this is where people sometimes get muddled and they say, oh, well, you know, I got... um, I got cancer and because I got cancer I ended up in a cancer ward and then I was able to speak to the person in the next bed to me and the person in the next bed said yes to Jesus. Therefore, it must have been God's will that I had cancer. No. That is God being able to make the use, the most of every single situation you ever find yourself in. No loving dad would wish COVID, cancer or anything else on their kids. But God, able to use it? Absolutely. God can use every single situation. So now I'm just going to 
like change tack slightly and really speak more to the church. Something we don't often do, actually, because we tend to really speak as if we're speaking to people outside as well. And people who would say, I'm not really part of a church, you are incredibly welcome to listen. You do not have to switch off. This pandemic has seen a draining away of discipleship, of people following Jesus. It seems that the more that churches have gone online, the more that people in churches are going offline. There's this encroaching indifference almost. And across the UK churches, it's the same story. Many of those people you would have expected to be stepping up are actually slipping out. Without the usual rhythms and patterns, it has been slightly unnerving to see what our relationships with God actually look like. I've seen it even in my own life where some of these patterns have been broken up. It's interesting to see what our relationships with God then look like. I think I mentioned here before, I read some stats a few weeks ago, 70% of American pastors have considered another job. 70%. But this shaking of the world, this shaking that we're feeling, this sense of unsettledness, this putting your hand on the handrail and it, and it rocks, this gives space for God to break in However, I think what God is trying to do in this, in the world, if you like, he's trying to create space for him to break in. In the church, the shaking is to say, wake up. It's a shaking of the shoulders of someone lying down and you get their shoulders and you shake them and you say, wake up. Wake up, church. Your stuffy patterns of religion. You've let go of relationship and instead you're clinging on to rules and patterns. Form without power. Religion at its most insidious. Super church planter Paul, he wrote to the church in a place called Ephesus and he said this, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. I think there is a, uh, a warning here, and a, if this is a bit strong, you might tuck your toes in in case I tread on them, but it's a bit deck chairs on the Titanic feel. And I think God is shaking the shoulders of those who are sunbathing and saying, wake up, you're going to miss what I'm doing. You're going to miss it completely. So in the very final book of the Bible, Revelation, it was all, the whole of the book of Revelation is a, is a vision that John had. And it is this to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Don't worry about that. Write this. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And people, Jesus says, people will say, but, 
but God, I, I cast out demons in your name. I, I, I served on rotors in your name. God, you saw that most of the time I went to church when I had the time and, and all these things. And he says, I'm sorry, you are... Really uncomfortable passage of, of the Bible. It's a really tricky bit. And it's not that God doesn't know us. Of course he knows us. But I think there's a shaking from God saying, look, I'll shake you a few times and try and wake you up. But ultimately, if you want to stay sunbathing on, the, on this deck chair, on the Titanic, I can't make you wake up. Jesus said this, Repent, the kingdom of God is here. Repent, the kingdom of God is here. Well, repent, does that mean, does that mean I have to say sorry for all my, all my naughty stuff? Not really. That's not really what repent means. Repent means turn back and face God. And in so doing, you will probably find that you'll leave some elements of your life behind. Yes. So Jesus says, turn and face God because the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is inside people. The kingdom of God is waiting to break out. Don't forget, the kingdom of God is his rule, his reign, his way of doing things. Let's turn back to him, face him. Now, I nearly did this as a literal, pictorial, pictorial thing. I nearly got a jar. But if you can imagine a jar of Skittles, okay. Now, I didn't do it because I knew I would end up eating them. But you'd like a jar, yay big, like yay round, you know, like that, full of Skittles. Every single one of those Skittles in that jar represents a day. Every single day, there's a finite amount of time we're alive. You take a Skittle out. Put it in the other jar. Take another one out. Take another one out. Every single day, it moves across. You're never going to get that one back. It's gone. It's that concept in our minds that we have a finite number of Skittles. Every single day, one more taken out. I am 48. I may be slightly over halfway. Who knows? Thing is, you never really know how many are in there. I don't know. In Psalm 90, it talks about counting our days aright. We don't use that word very often. Aright. I think we should make a comeback of the word aright. Every day that we live... We have one less day to be alive. That was better than that. I'll say it again. Every day we live, we have one less day to be alive. Here are some things. I was reading an article this week about a palliative care nurse who hears people say things on their deathbed and picked out some themes. These aren't directly from her, but it was linked. Things never heard on a deathbed. I wish I'd moaned more. I wish I'd lived a smaller story. With their dying breath, no one, I don't think, was ever heard to say, I wish I'd watch more telly. 
I wish I'd held on to more grudges. I wish I hadn't pressed into all God has for me. I wish I'd been less generous. So I don't know how old you are. I don't know how old you are at home listening. But imagine what your 80-year-old self would be telling you right now. Again, in the book of Ephesians, where Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, just a couple of verses later on, actually, he says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Oh, but God, you don't understand. The handrail's a bit shaky, and I'm, I'm really nervous. And God says, I know you're nervous. That's why I'm here. Make the most of every opportunity. I'm here. I haven't gone anywhere. Your handrail's shaking, but that's because you're not really supposed to be hanging on to the handrail. We have to remember that a yes to God is always going to put us on a collision course with the world too. There's a price to following him. So, how do we respond? Well, the shaking of the church definitely is an anger from God. It's not, you stupid whatever's blanks, you can put your own word in. That's not what God's saying. He's not trying to wake up a reluctant teenager and then getting increasingly annoyed. We've got to go in a minute. It's not that. That's not God's heart. He's saying, wake up or you're going to miss it. I'm on the move. I'm doing stuff. Yes, for sure. New Year, always a good time to consider, where are we investing our money? Well, I don't really do investments. Yes, you do. Every time you spend money, you're investing. Where are we spending our time? We've often said that we can tell anyone's priorities and where their trust is placed by looking in two places, in their diary and in their bank balance. You'll see where someone's trust is. I mean, there are potentially some people who will be paying more on insurance than they're giving into, say, the local church to see God's kingdom come. That sounds like you want the money. Well, I'm, I'm not particularly saying I want the money. But these things cost. And it's not even the recipient of the money. There's something about the release that says, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I pay in total on my life insurance and my car insurance and my house insurance and my contents insurance on my travel insurance. God, I mean, I have 250 quid. Oh, here's a, here's a oh, the collection. Yeah, tenner. <laughs> there you go. No, I trust you, God. I mean, I try. I trust you, Jesus. Mmm, yeah. Awkward. Uncomfortable silence. He let settle in room. I reckon... I'm saying this to myself too. I reckon some of us are potentially being more generous to Amazon than those in need. This coming year, as Asher Vineyard, we are launching... The, I didn't really need to do that, did I? But anyway, the Kingdom Academy. It's like a big reveal. I know you couldn't see it before, could you? Um, we're launching the Kingdom Academy, releasing interns into the city to bring life. 
We're also focusing very deliberately on going after our aims. And I forgot to bring an aim sheet up with me. But they're available on the way out. Um, I think Nick might just... Ah, there it is. Thank you. Like this. I'll put it in front of KA. Big reveal. (laughs) The aim sheet. Basically, bringing life to Ashford for Ashford Vineyard looks like this. These are the things that we go after. We're in the process of possibly, we're not sure, possibly being able to provide some staff meals to some of the staff at the William Harvey too. We're not sure. If that happens, it's going to be all hands to the pump. So Deuteronomy, a book way, way back. Moses was the big guy in the book of Deuteronomy. And Moses encourages us in one encourages us, encourages us. Yes, that's it. Moses supposes his toes are roses, but Moses encourages us to choose life. Every single day we get up, we can choose life. Every hour of every day, we can choose life. What are we going to do? Well, Chris, I mean, there are some things you have no choice over, right? I mean. At some point, you have to go to the loo. Fair, but you can choose what you read while you're on the loo. This is taking an odd turn. Anyway, it's choosing life. It's those skittles coming out. What am I going to do with the ones that are left? I don't even know how many are left. What am I going to do? Count my days aright. So Nicola, Nicola Neal, who we love very much, she's a good friend of Asher Vineyard. She came and spoke to our leaders in November online. And she said this, and we've got it literally word for word, something she said to us. I've always had this deep conviction for you guys as a church that there is something unique about you that the Lord is doing and has been doing and is forming and is going to form that will touch the nation. And I've believed it ever since I first came down and saw you. And I believe that there is a huge amount of promise yet to be seen, yet to be fulfilled in your life as a church family. And I feel like God is issuing you an invitation into the deep. It's like, do you see it, Asher Vineyard? Do you see it? Do you see the dawning of a whole new day? And are you ready to be unoffendable in that and to embrace whatever it looks like? I have a feeling that this next move of God is going to be an unusual one. It's not going to be about one man, one person, one place. It's going to be about each of us. I mean, Jesus switched it up, right, didn't he? Is it Matthew 5 where Jesus switched the game and said, now you are the light of the world. He starts by saying, I'm the light of the world. Watch my life. It's a demonstration. Oh, by the way, you now, you're, you're the light of the world. It's you. Did you know that? You're the light of the world. So just make sure you're radiating light in the darkness. I think this next move of God is about you and me and anyone else just taking our place and saying, I'll take my place. I'll pay the cost. 
I'll stand for light and I'll go out into the darkness. I'll take my place and I'll see it illuminated. There's a very exciting move of God coming and we're all called to it. We're all called to be part of it. It's coming. And it's coming, I believe, to bring freedom to the prisoner, good news to the poor, to comfort the brokenhearted, to bring hope to the hopeless. And we are invited. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Nick is going to come up, but I'll just say this as she does. It's time. It's now. Let's not sleep our precious days away. Let's resist beige. Let's wake up, rise up, stand up. Let's go after God with all we have and all we are. No compromises. Let's press in, kneeling down our arms aloft, knowing his presence and releasing his power. Bag more time to deliberately be with him. More than a vaccination, this world needs a reformation. And King Jesus is on the move. Are you ready? Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org, or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.